Alright, alright. Welcome back to Drop Pass Podcast, you absolute rock star. 20th episode underway. Yes, already 20th. And to be quite honest, doesn't even really feel like we are already 20 episodes deep into this thing. I guess when you enjoy the ride, time goes by even faster. NHL is back big time. And last week we looked at Western Conference teams and their upcoming seasons. And as you would expect, this week is dedicated to all the remaining Eastern Conference teams. We've already seen some fireworks and overall very exciting games. So hopefully that continues throughout the season. But let's keep this intro short so we can get to the actual content. So without further ado, let's get going. Okay, player. East up next and the same concept as last week. First, Metropolitan Division. And we ended with the Atlantic Division, as you might expect. Both divisions are going to be tight when it comes to playoff spots. And we are going to see a war for the last remaining spots closer to the end of the regular season. And don't forget that if a team has a bad start to its season, they might be out of the playoff picture already before Christmas, based on the fact that these two conferences are extremely competitive this year. First team under the microscope is the Carolina Hurricanes, and they underwent pretty big change this offseason. So the question is, how these new players have welled with the rest of the group and their overall system. Most likely, shouldn't be too hard under road Brenda Moore, because if you don't work your ass off, you are out of town pretty quickly. Last year, they finished first in the Central Division with record of 36 wins, 12 losses and 8 overtime losses, so it was extremely surprising to see many of their core members leaving the team. Maybe the lack of postseason success was the reason, since they got knocked out of the playoffs in the second round by Tampa Bay. Ethan Bear, Ian Cole, Tony D'Angelo, Brendan Smith, Derek Stepan, Jesper Kotkaniemi, and both goaltenders Freddie Anderson and Antti Randa were acquired this offseason, while Dougie Hamilton, Morgan Geeky, Jake Bean, Jonathan Bernier, Peter Mrazek, Janni Hakampa, Brock McGinn, James Reimer and Cedric Paget left the town. So you could say that minor change occurred during this summer. But even after their player turnover, I would expect that playoffs are ahead of them once the springtime comes. Seppo Aho was their leading scorer by a country mile last year. And this year, I anticipate the same thing happening, even though Andrei Svechnikova could put up a fight. Breakthrough candidate for the Canes, in my eyes, is the former first-round pick, Seth Jarvis, who toyed with the AHL last year by posting 11 points in just 9 games in his first year in the professional level. There isn't much room in their lineup, but if he finds a way to stick his name in the starting 12, he should have a strong season in the bright lights already next year. But if that doesn't happen, expect him to rip the AHL to shreds with likes of Jack Drury, Dominic Bach, and AHL standout Andrew Poturalski. Drury could have a cup of coffee in the big boy league as well, but 
I expect that after a strong season in the SHL, he spends most of the year in the A, while both guys should step up in the NHL once the injuries start to pile up for the Canes. As a hot take for the Canes, I'm going to say that D'Angelo doesn't cause any altercations and becomes a 50-point D-man once again. We will see if he has learned anything during the past year. Also, missing the playoffs would be a big surprise. And when you look at their goaltending, the concern starts to creep up. And you have to remember that they lost their number one defenseman. So it wouldn't be a major headline, but I don't expect that to happen. Then we head to Ohio and check what the Blue Jackets are up to. Last year, at the bottom of the Central Division, and unfortunately I can't see them much further this year either, much because of the competitiveness of the East Divisions. Seth Jones, Cam Atkinson and Mihal Grigorenko left the team this offseason, while Jake Bean, Adam Boquist and Jacob Voracek, alongside youngsters Cole Sillinger and Yegor Shinahov, try to replace them in the lineup. Their youth movement has increased the interest for the team, or at least for me it has, but I don't expect them to actually fight for a playoff spot this year, but rather could acquire additional assets through trading, which I'm very much expecting to happen when looking at GM Kekalainen's moves during the past year. Oliver Bjorkstrand was their leading scorer last year, but I fully expect Patrick Lainet to take that crown away from him this upcoming season and to get back to his 40-goal pace that we expect from him year in and year out. Jack Roslovich and Jack Wierenski should also raise their production levels even more, but overall don't expect too much from this group. You can only hope that they have sorted their coaching issues and are ready to take the next steps towards being a playoff team in the Metro again. As a breakthrough candidate, the easy choice here is Jack Roslovich without a doubt. We already saw what changing the scenery did to him last year, and now if Lina is ready to make his comeback to 40 Genoman, I'm expecting similar year to Garland last year. I mean, I would love to nominate one of the young bucks, being Boquist, Chinahov, or Sillinger, or even Texier, but I believe that they still need some time before breaking out in the NHL for real. One of the defensemen could be up to challenge, but the way I see their defense being structured, I can only see big dashes at the end of the season. Sorry Jackets fans, but as I said, they should be a meaningful team in a year or two. But for now, out of playoff picture for me. Oh, and before I forget, as a hot take, that playoff spot would be a massive surprise. So let's go with that. And after Columbus, we swiftly move to the New York metropolitan area and first check out the New Jersey Devils, who were as well one of the teams that made major moves this offseason. Will Butcher and Ryan Murray were the notable players that departed the club and the major acquisitions this summer were Daggy Hamilton, Ryan Graves, Jonathan Bernier, Thomas Tatar and Jimmy Vesey. They are beginning to look more and more like a playoff team, but I'm really not sure if they can make it this year from the tough Metro division. Hamilton's presence on their blue line is especially vital, but I still feel like they are a few years away from the playoffs. Last year, 
they finished seventh in the East Division with 19-30 and 7 record. But I believe that those numbers will get better once the season starts. Last year, Pavel Saka showed that he might still have some upside left in him and led the team in scoring with 35 points in 50 games. But the way Jack Hughes has progressed in just two years, I believe that he will take that spot from Zaka already this year. I'm also expecting big year from Nico Hishir now that he's finally fit to play and has hopefully a healthy season ahead of him. They also have a handful of players that are oozing breakthrough potential, so it is quite hard to point out just one player out of this relatively young group. But since I'm expecting Hughes to take the scoring title for them this year, I might as well predict his forthcoming as one of the elite young players in this league. Not going to compete for a scoring title, but I'm really expecting his best year point-wise by a large margin. He's now completely accustomed to NHL hockey, and I see no reason why he shouldn't make his breakthrough with the Devils. When it comes to hot take, let's say that Mackenzie Blackwood has himself a career year by finishing in the top 5 starters statistically, gets nominated to the Canadian Olympic team, and drags the Devils to the playoffs. That Olympic team nomination shouldn't be too far under the rock, if I'm completely honest. But the playoffs, a stand-up personal year, and a playoff appearance, though, would be something. Right after we head to Long Island and check what the Islanders are up to. Well, for starters, Chara and Parisi were the big additions this summer. And also, they extended deadline acquisition Kyle Palmieri. So, overall... Not many changes when compared to a few previous teams on this list. Last year, they were the last team to make it to the playoffs from the East Division with 32-17-1 record, but ended up finding their way all the way to the semifinals until Tampa Bay beat them in seven games. And I must say this one time, one time only, you can't underestimate the team anymore period. The team under Trotz is so well welded together that the playoffs are almost a guarantee at this point. The defense is rock solid, goaltending is up to par as well, while their smothering playstyle causes odd man rushes and they end up finishing quite well from those opportunities. It also doesn't hurt to add a Zamboni to your back end to frustrate the opposition even more and by that I mean Geno Chara, if you didn't catch my drift. You know, sweeping the entire defensive zone from between the hash marks. It was nice to see him make his comeback to a team where the journey started for him. And if you are one of those that don't know, he was actually drafted by the Islanders until he was traded to Ottawa. So there's the fact of the day for you, provided by yours truly. Also... They signed Ryan Pulock to an 8-year deal just a few days ago with 6.15 AAV. So you could say that Lou performed his magic act again and secured another of their stud defensemen to an absolute bargain deal. Just had to add that one in here. Not a big deal. As you might know, the Islanders still have one of the worst power plays in the league 
and that's not even arguable so five on five offense needs to be on point if they want to fight for a number one spot in the metro maybe that has been their number one priority this year and they can make themselves even more lethal by making that aspect click on their system as well but nevertheless matt barzell was their leading scorer last year and his playstyle fully supports the fact that he's going to repeat that again this year He's the most offensively oriented forward on their squad, so there really isn't any reason to doubt why he wouldn't reach that title again this year, especially now that Anders Lee is back in their lineup. As the breakthrough candidate from the Islanders, I have two names in my mind, and it was hard to pick only one, but I finally managed to do so. My pick from the Isles is Oliver Wallstrom, who notched 21 points in 44 games last year and added 3 in 5 playoff games. I expected him to make his breakthrough already last year, but because of his injury, he was sidelined for a small portion at the end of the season and thus left me expecting more from this highly talented first-round draft pick. I'm really expecting him to boost his numbers this season, since in addition to Barzal, Anthony Beauvillier has showed good offensive instincts and with the available space on the right side left by Jordan Eberle, I could see Wallstrom as a replacement for them this year. So in conclusion, expect him to light up the red light a couple more times this year. The other option was defenseman drafted right after him in 2018, Noah Dobson, who has two seasons under his belt in the NHL. Now with Nick Letty gone from their blue line, I expect Dobson's minutes to increase and he will most likely be the point guy on their second power play unit or even crack the first unit if they want to keep Pulak as a shot threat on the left side of the triangle. Nevertheless, he notched 7 points in 19 playoff games last year which made me believe that we could see a big increase in his point total this year especially when I saw that Letty was going to Detroit. So those two are certainly players that I will be keeping a close eye on in a fairly boring team. But overall, I see them as a surefire playoff team, hands down. The hot take for them, we could go both ways on this, so hear me out. Because they were so close to the finals last year, the Stanley Cup doesn't feel so insurmountable after all. But because of their lack of entertainment value and true franchise player, you just don't see them winning the Stanley Cup, don't you think? I mean, it is more than possible, but somehow you just have the gut feeling that, nah, they ain't going to win it. So let's say that they win the Cup just based on the mental image, and vice versa. Missing the playoffs seems pretty unrealistic as well, am I right? Well, you could easily argue for it if you hate the team and their playstyle, but let's be honest here, they just know their shit, and it works. So either or, pick your poison. I'm so undecisive at this point that I'm going to leave it for you to decide. Just send me a DM to let me know what we ended up deciding. Thanks in advance, partner. On to Manhattan. Rangers up next, and just like the Islanders, they should be fighting for a spot in the playoffs this year. Their young team is a bit more experienced than a year ago, and to me, 
there should be certain expectations for likes of Alexis Lafreniere, Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, Igor Shesterkin, Kaapo Kakko, Philip Hedl, and Keandre Miller. Their veterans, Mika Zibanejad, Ryan Strom, Chris Kreider, Barclay Goodrow, Artemi Panarin, and Jacob Truba should lead the young team towards the postseason. They still might be a year or two away from competing for the Stanley Cup, but the core is starting to take its shape, so big step forward should be expected from this bunch. Last year, they missed the playoffs by 9 points and finished 5th in the East Division with 27-23-6 record. Currently, their path to the playoffs isn't going to be any easier than year before, but with better start to their season, they should be in the conversation when it comes to playoff teams. The Breadman was their leading scorer last year, and once he steps on the ice again, he should run the team's offense without questions and lead the team in points at the end of the campaign. Mika Zibanejad could challenge him on top of the scoring sheet, but Panarin will stay as my leading candidate to take the team's scoring title. And as you can probably see, the Rangers have many players that are close to their real breakthroughs, but the player I'm most anticipating to make his breakthrough this year is Kaapo Kakko. Two years in the league already, so the least to expect from him should be to crack the 30-40 to 40 point mark. And I'm assuming that the organization has similar expectations for him as well. I mean, at least the 30 points should be achievable with their current roster. And he has the tools to make it happen. So I would say that it should be time to make a real break in the NHL. But overall, more breakthroughs the Rangers see this year from their young bucks, the better chance they have to reach the playoffs. No way, Sherlock. No, but for real, like, team's average age is just 25.5 years, so the leadership is currently only waiting for their young players to increase their involvement. And until that happens, they can only hope for a spot in the postseason, since Jiba, Panarin, Kreider, Strong, Fox and Sesterkin can drag the team to the playoffs by themselves. Or if they do so, other teams must drop the ball at some point to make that happen. So the last thing I want to say about this team is that they are a very unpredictable team at this point. They have extreme talent on the roster, but what makes it interesting is the fact that they are so young overall. Pretty much all comes down to their young guns and if they are ready to step into big boy shoes and make a real impact on the NHL eyes. That's why my hot take for this team is them taking the Metropolitan Division and advancing to the playoffs as the first seed. It certainly isn't out of question, but many pieces need to fall in the right places to make it happen, and I certainly would like to see them blossom already this year, but we'll see what happens. Then we arrive to the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Their contract situation is pretty much under control, and according to many sources, Captain Claude Giroux is willing to postpone his contract talks until summer to focus solely on their ongoing season. Elliot, Ghost, Myers, Patrick, Raffle, and Voracek gone from the roster, and vice versa. Jones, Ellis, Ristolainen, Yandel, Atkinson, 
McEwen and Thompson were acquired during the offseason. So you could say that the trend of big turnover continues in this division and the Flyers are in the middle of it all. Last year was pretty terrible on their part and the organization's leadership wanted to see some changes after such a lackluster performance. Defense and goaltending were the big issues last year, believe it or not. And now they've acquired players that should make a positive impact on their lineup to some extent. Especially young Carter Hart needs to bounce back if they want to fight for a playoff spot and Martin Jones could even benefit for a better backline from the one he had in San Jose. Last year's record was 25 wins, 23 losses and 8 overtime losses. But as I've said in this episode, in Metro, you need a positive record to advance to the playoffs. So you can only hope that they can find more wins this time around. Last year, they had a three-way tie in scoring lead. Marie Steik, Giroux and Voracek tied up with 43 points. But this year, I expect that title to go to Cole Tourier, since he played approximately 10 less games than the others but finished just two points behind the leaders. So if he stays healthy this year, the scoring title should be his without questions. The breakthrough candidate from the Flyers was trickier to choose, since few players are already stables on the NHL level, and some are expected to make their first appearances on the big stage, so it ended up being trickier than I first anticipated. I'm not going to nominate Hart at this point since I'm more so expecting a big bounce back here from him behind their new defense and more so shine the light on Joel Ferriby who already earned his big boy contract this summer and posted 38 points in 55 games last year. But I'm expecting even better numbers this year in a full 82 game season. He's an electrifying player to watch and a total lightning bug on the ice and can be depended upon on all situations which makes him so effective. 55 to 60 points would be my guess but if the team clicks this year 65 and more ain't out of the question that's for certain. And lastly the hot take I'm going to say that Martin Jones benefits from the new environment and steals the starter spot from the young phenom. Only 31 years old, so it easily could happen. Likely won't, but I've seen crazier things happen. And so has your mom. And since we are in Pennsylvania, let's stay there for a moment, because next up we have the Pittsburgh Penguins. Big year as well for the Pens, because they got many players that become free agents next summer including Chris Letang and Yevgeny Malkin. And so, this season could show their future projection when it comes to either rebuilding or just retooling. Overall, their roster stayed pretty much the same as it was a year ago, apart from CeCe, McCann and Tanev, plus a few other depth players departing the club, and Brock McGinn arriving from Carolina. This year will test the team's resilience since they've been battling with injuries in recent years and already this season their number two center Gino Malkin will most likely miss roughly 20 to 25 games due to a knee surgery so a lot can happen in that time frame. 
Sid also struggled with wrist injury in the offseason, and knowing Chris Letang's injury history, he won't play the full 82-game campaign this year either. How much this will affect the team is the question, and how far they can go in the tight Metro division remains to be seen. Sid and Gino still have it in them, but the supporting cast around them will determine their future and the goaltending aspect is especially under the microscope again this season. Last year they finished on top of the East Division with record of 37 wins, 16 losses and 3 overtime losses, but got eliminated in the first round by the Islanders, mostly thanks to Tristan Jerry, but overall the team just couldn't compete with the Isles in that series. They have depth in their lineup and the addition of Brock McGinn was a smart one in my books since he will bring the additional grit to their forward core and can chip in offensively as well from time to time. More so, their defense and goaltending are the question marks and even though Mike Matheson had a bounce back season last year, they are going to need strong performances from John Marino and Marcus Pedersen if they want to keep their playoff chances alive since both had pretty disappointing seasons last year, and similar bounce back to Matheson would be beneficial for the team as well. But as I said, the goaltending is the concern here. They seemingly have trust in their duo of DeSmith and Jerry, but seemingly the goalie experiment is pretty much over, and you have to hope that Philip Lindbergh becomes your next starting goaltender, because... The same story repeats itself in Pittsburgh. First, Fleury was dealt elsewhere so that Matt Murray could take his place in their crease. Well, we know how that ended, and once Jari made his presence known in the NHL, Murray got dealt to Ottawa. Shock. And now Jari sucks, so something needs to change. Whether it is their coaching or their system, but you are wasting good caliber goaltenders on a yearly basis, and that needs to change. Breakthrough candidate? There isn't a lot to choose from, so the easy choice here is Pierre-Olivier Joseph. Strong two-way defenseman has been on the verge of breaking into an HL, but the strong decor hasn't budged, but the guy undoubtedly has all the tools to become a reliable top four defenseman on the big stage. And this time, I'm not going to say that he will post astonishing offensive numbers, but more so assert his potential this season with strong rookie season. It's been a long time coming, and I fully believe that he can crack their lineup sooner rather than later, and will just run with it. When it comes to the hot take, I think it needs to involve Jerry after my bashing right. So let's say that he returns to his 19-20 season level, and posts at least 0.918 save percentage, and the Pens take the division, because, to be completely honest, I have them outside of the playoff picture at this point. Say what you want, but that's my take. Let's check the last remaining Metropolitan team, the Washington Capitals. Well, pretty much the same old. Ovi lights up the lamp, Carlson is among the most productive defensemen in the league, and Tom Wilson does what he always does, except that we haven't seen anything yet, but just count the days. I mean, the playoffs are only thing that counts, and they should be in the playoffs almost automatically, right? Well, 
It isn't as obvious as it has been in the years past, since injuries have come in the picture as well. Ovi and Carlson both battled with injuries at the end of last season, and now Nick Backstrom will miss around 10 games at the start of the season. At least they got to keep Vanecek and now Samsonov should be fit to play, so the goaltending shouldn't be the concern at this point. Last year, they were second in the East Division with 36-15-5 record, but a first-round loss to Bruins was their fate last year. They should find themselves in the playoffs, but how far they can go is the remaining question. Breakthrough candidate for them is obvious to me, Connor McMichael. AHL standout, and if you need any deeper analysis, just go check his stats and you will understand why this guy should be in the conversation amongst the best rookies in the league. Hendrix Lapierre is a good shot as well, but I have higher expectations for McMichael at this point. And to wrap up the Metro division, we have the hot take for the Caps. Are you ready? Here it comes. They will miss the playoffs. Yes, you heard me right. I mean, it would be bonkers, but the way others have strengthened their roster this year, it ain't no impossible, let me tell you that. Especially now that the team has gotten older and injuries have taken a toll on their star players, it certainly isn't out of question. The power play on its own should take them to the playoffs, but if the injury trend continues, they could have a challenging year, to say the least. But that wraps up the Metro Division, and here is the wrap-up on their standings. First seed, the Islanders. Second seed, Hurricanes. Capitals take the third spot, and the last playoff team from this division is... Drumroll, please. The Philadelphia Flyers. So the remaining teams that didn't make the playoffs are 5th seed Rangers, 6th seed Penguins, 7th seed Devils, and last team in the division is the Columbus Blue Jackets, as you could expect. It was tough to pick out the teams making the playoffs, but in the long run, I feel like the Rangers are not ready yet for playoff hockey. And the Penguins will, for some reason, struggle, whether it is injuries or goaltending. We will see. Devils also made some progress, but are still a few steps away from the playoffs. But we will see what happens. Extremely tight division, nevertheless. Let's head to last remaining division, the Atlantic. Okay, bud. We've arrived to the last division, and we have the remaining eight teams up ahead. We can start it off with Boston Bruins, who had somewhat busy offseason as well as many others in the East. Linus Olmark, Derek Forbord, Nick Folino, Eric Haula and Thomas Noshek arrived in B-Town, while Yaro Halak, Dan Vladar, Andre Kashe, David Krejci, Sean Corrali and Nick Ricci left the team plus the ongoing situation with goaltender Tukarask. Many question marks still surround the team ahead of the season and how far they can go with this roster related to the other top teams in the East. On the bright side though, they just yesterday signed their stud defenseman Charlie McAvoy to an 8-year deal worth 9.5 annually, so there's at least something to cheer for as a Bees fan. Last year, 
third in the East Division with record of 33 wins, 16 losses and 7 overtime losses. But the Islanders got better of them in the quarterfinals, so they had quite a lengthy offseason to think about their moves in the offseason. The first line will provide points for them, there is no question about it, and their power play should be in the top 5 in the league. So the big question will be how well their goaltending will hold without Tuukka Rask. Jeremy Swayman was tremendous in his few stints last year, but in my mind is still at least a year away from a regular starting spot. While Allmark comes to Boston with relatively good remarks in a piss-poor organization, which couldn't even hold a door open, let alone defend in their own zone. So time will only tell how competitive they will be this year, but the second line center spot and goaltending are the concerns heading into the season. The breakthrough candidate for the Bruins could also be found in their crease. Since Olmark starts only his fourth full season in the NHL and is relatively young in goalie standards, Meanwhile, he has posted 0.915 save percentage in the past two years in Buffalo. So with actual competitive organization, he could become a real difference maker and replace Rask to some extent in their blue paint. On the hindsight, Jeremy Swayman could easily steal the show in Boston and run with the starting job if Omar struggles at the start of the year. After all, he recorded 0.945 save percentage in 10 games last year. Though teams have probably studied his game more now, so the numbers should drop down a bit in his sophomore season in the bright lights. In fact, I can't really see many other options from their organization since Urho Vakanainen and Jack Stadnika are currently designated to the minors, but for now I see Ulmark and Swayman as the more probable candidates to make their breakthroughs in the NHL. The hot take for the Bruins is as follows. Charlie Coyle takes the second line center spot and ends the year with plus 50 points to his name. Note, he has achieved that milestone only once in his career and only managed to notch 16 points in 51 games last year. So get your lottery tickets, because we have a big pot in place. Let's head to Buffalo. Buffalo! How are we looking? Same old, same old. Oh, the team sucks ass again and the whole organization is on fire, starting from the medical department. Mm. Great, love that you guys honor traditions. And by the way, is the Jack Eichel trade done already? No? Well, no worries, he ain't gonna play with you guys, so keep on sucking. Last year, dead last in the whole NHL with record of 15 wins, 34 losses and 7 overtime losses. And can it get any worse? Unfortunately, yes. Since they only played 56 games last year, so another number one pick is inbound. Hutton, out. Olmark, out. McCabe, out. Ristolainen, out. Reinhardt, out. While Butcher in, Haig in, Pisic in, Hayden in, and Hinestroza in. I would like to ask the league if the intentional tanking is punishable crime in the NHL. Because this thing smells like it.
Reinhardt was the leading scorer last year, but this year I'm expecting Casey Middlestad to make his presence known in this league and thus believe that he will lead the team in scoring at the end of the year once he returns from his injury. Wolfson and Cousins are probably the runners-up, but my money is on Middlestad. And oh yeah, there goes the breakthrough candidate as well, so there's that. And finally, the hot take, since we don't have any reason to struggle with this organization for too long. They are going to stink once again this year, and not much needs to be said about their performance, most likely. So the hot take, you probably waited for me to say that they're going to make the playoffs. That's way too generous. And even I'm not that stupid to think that is going to happen, even in my most moist dreams. So let's say that Dalene will finally step his game up and reach the 50-point mark. I don't even care about these defensive numbers at this point because they don't even have any NHL goalies for God's sake. So the more you can score, more likely you're going to get traded elsewhere at some point. So best of luck on your journey. And we move away from this godforsaken place. Next up, Detroit. The Red Wings are up next, and they already started their season with a bang. Last year, they finished 7th in the Central Division with record of 19 wins, 27 losses, and 10 overtime losses. And this year, their record will get at least somewhat better. Not much, probably, but a teeny tiny bit. Team is in the middle of a rebuild, so the expectations are fairly moderate at this point. But looking at their future, it is looking better and better. Both Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider made the team out of camp, and especially Raymond stood out big time in a red and white. They are on their way to the playoffs, but the journey has just started, so we will see how big steps they are able to take this year towards the postseason. Last year was overall horrendous from the player perspective since, believe it or not, their top point producer was defenseman Philip Ronek, and he was only able to put up 26 points in 56 games, and that was their top guy. Larkin had 23 in 44, Bertuzzi 7 in 9 games, and Vrana put up 11 points in 11 games after the trade from the Caps. Bertuzzi started the season already with four goals, so he will boost their offense after last year's injury woes. If Ranham wouldn't miss so much time due to his shoulder surgery, he would have been my guy to lead the team in points, but since he will miss at least four months, I had to pick someone else from the roster. And even before Bertuzzi's four-goal performance, I would have had him as my second option, and I'm going to still run with it. Even though you could argue for Dylan Larkin as well. But in my eyes, Bertuzzi has a bit more offensive prowess in his game. They have overall very well-hidden offense. And while they don't frighten other teams with their top two lines, they can easily penetrate almost any defense as we already saw against the Lightning. But their defense and goaltending are still the biggest question marks. Bernier, Jalowski, Phil Pula, Glenn Denning, Helm and Nielsen left the team while Nedeljkovic, Letty, and Suter joined the ranks. So you could say that the dead weight was dumped off the board this offseason. When it comes to their breakout candidate, I have to go with Raymond after seeing him in the preseason. 
and while they have many prospects in their system, most of them start their seasons in the A, so I had to choose between Sider and Raymond. Edelkovic is another good option, but I feel like it's going to be a rough year for him between the pipes. Since last year, he got to play behind very strong decor, but this year he needs to do a lot on his own, so we'll see how he's able to cope with that aspect. But nevertheless, Raymond is my pick, and as a hot take, let's keep it realistic. Philip Sadina will finally break his curse and burst onto the scene with plus 35 point season. That is achievable, and by looking at the roster, he should get his chance to prove doubters wrong, and I fully believe that he has another gear to his game that we haven't just seen yet. Not playoffs yet, but in few years should be teasing with a playoff spot. And right after Detroit, we have the stacked Florida squad, and this time, I don't mean the Bolts, since they had to strip down their roster quite a bit this summer, but the team I'm meaning is the Florida Panthers. They are in a very good spot for the next two years, not counting their $10 million backup, but overall their contract situation is looking really good with their most recent moves. And by the way, Bobrovsky hasn't looked that bad this year either. Core is in place, many young studs are waiting for their chances to break into the NHL, which even means that they are even able to move some contracts if need be. Dreger, Strowman, Yandel, Connolly, Gusev, Hinostroza and Wenberg left the team, while Sam Reinhardt and Joe Thornton were acquired to fill holes in their lineup. They are extremely strong across the board and currently their biggest concern is goaltending, and more so which of them should be their starter. 10 million Bob or young stud Spencer Knight. They have a full year to make that decision since they should be locks for the playoffs and therefore their efforts should go towards a deep playoff run. Jonathan Huberdeau was their leading scorer last year and there really is only one player that could dethrone him from that spot and that is Alexander Barkov. I believe that Barkov will take the crown this year, even though Huberdeau is one of the most talented forwards in this league and somewhat more offensively oriented than Barkov. Shasha will have a thunderous season in Miami. I can just feel it. Last year only light his fire even more and this year will be a standout year for the Selkie winner. When it comes to breakthrough candidate, it could be hard to achieve similar credentials to what Carter Verhage was able to achieve last year, but I feel like there are few possible options in their squad. Spencer Knight is probably one that comes to mind right away when talking about the Panthers, and he could easily be one of the best goaltenders in the league already this year, but I feel like we are going to see a breakout year from another former first-round pick, Owen Tippett, who has now seen few seasons in the NHL, and to me, is bound for a breakout year. Of course, it depends on tremendously on the line he is signed to, but there aren't too many right-handed forwards in their lineup, which should mean time on the power play, and thus better offensive numbers. Only 18 points last year, so that total should jump up tremendously, even if he doesn't play on the power play. Hot take for the Panthers. Now I gotta choose a one.
Ready? Anton Lundell will be in the top five in rookie scoring. Not going to hold my breath on that, but would be extremely fun to see him succeed already in his first full year in the NHL. But playoff team regardless, and to be honest, I think that they are even ready to take the whole division. So let's say that first seed team at the end of regular season. Let's head to Canada. Then we arrived to last year's Stanley Cup contender, Montreal Canadiens. And if last year's success was surprising, this year it would be miraculous. Shea Weber out for the entire season. Carey Price is dealing with personal issues. Plus, he had a surgery this offseason. And second-line center Philip Dano left to Los Angeles. Those are pretty big losses if you ask me. And if I had to guess, they have a rough year ahead of them. Last year, they made the playoffs as the fourth seed team in the North Division with 24-21-11 record. And as you know, they lost to Tampa Bay in the finals. Few young bucks are interesting to look at, but overall their whole roster is fairly uninspiring. And by that, I mean the lack of so-called superstars. Dvorak, Hoffman, Weidman, Paquette, Perot and Savard were added in the offseason, but none of them fits the caliber of huge addition. Very mediocre on paper and Weber's loss will be more detrimental for the team than many might expect. And even though the team is known for its relentless style of play, it unfortunately can only take you so long until talent just takes over in this league. Both are needed, but the Habs are missing the talent factor. Yes, Suzuki, Caulfield, Toffoli, Gallagher and Petrie are talented players, but that just doesn't cut it when you compare it to league-wide skill level. Last year, Tyler Toffoli was the leading scorer, but this year I feel like it finally will be Suzuki's year, especially now that he gets more ice time when Dano is gone from their center spot. Anderson and Gallagher should boost their point totals as well, but they shouldn't jump out at you if the team struggles this season. Their breakthrough candidate is Suzuki as well, and I feel like he is ready to take the throne in Montreal after his 8-year 7.875 contract extension. Caulfield is still a year or two from his official breakthrough, and same goes with Romanov, and I hope that he sees a lot of ice time this year, since that will be vital for his development in North America. Hot take for the Habs would certainly be another playoff visit, but on the personal level, let's say that Christian Dvorak registers career-high 45 points. That would be needed in the absence of Dano, and I guess that's exactly why he was acquired to Montreal. But as I said, not expecting too much from this bunch. But if they stay competitive, I ain't complaining. Next up, Ottawa, and like it or not, they might be one of the most intriguing teams in the NHL this year because of their youth movement. Team Stutzla is now a year older, and players such as Josh Norris, Drake Patterson, Brady Gatchuk, Alex Formentan, Shane Pinto, Jacob Bernard Docker, and Philip Gustafson are expected to take leadership roles in the team already at a young age. 
Thomas Shabbat is already at that level and now he needs support from more than just Ketchuk. Last year they finished 6th in the North Division and missed the playoffs by 8 points. This year they aim towards the playoffs even though they still might be a year or two away from that achievement. They certainly have a chance to make that happen but I feel like their competitors are just too strong to challenge them already this year. Not a lot of movement on the roster front this summer and it seems as their core is finally starting to find its shape after steep roster rejuvenation. Brady Ketchuk won their internal scoring title last year and to be honest I would be surprised if someone else would take that from him this year. I'm expecting big year from him now that they've managed to solve their contract situation and he will stay in Ottawa for the next 7 years with 8.205 million contract. Stutzle, Brown, Patterson, Norris and Shabbat should contribute at a high level as well but for now I have Kachuk as my leading candidate to lead the team in scoring. Breakthrough candidate from the sense you will be surprised because it is Tim Stutzle. I'm also going to say that Shane Pinto will make his breakthrough. He already scored 7 points in 12 games last year and I'm expecting at least 25 points this year. Should be achievable if he gets the playing time and especially if he plays alongside one or two of these studs previously mentioned. But for Stutzle, I'm expecting already like a 50 point season, give or take. He's that talented and he has the supporting cast around him to make that happen this time around. The hot take. This is going to blow your socks off, so get ready. And don't take it like that, you perv. Matt Murray, 0.920 save percentage. He's done it three times in his career, so don't think that it ain't possible. You just need to hope, pray, go to church, send me two euros on mobile pay, and repeat it once a week, and it will, and it will most likely happen. Deal? Bet. Let's move to the last two remaining teams. First is Tampa, the back-to-back champs. And is 3P waiting in the horizon? Let's not go there yet, since the season just started. But you know, they still got Vasi, Kuch, Point and Pat Maroon, so who knows? Probably don't have to emphasize that much the fact that they won Stanley Cup last year and did it as the third seed in the Central Division with 36, 17 and 3 record. Huge turnover in the roster front this summer, but the main pieces still remain in Florida. Savard, Barry Boulay, Coleman, Goodrow, Gord, Johnson and Stevens packed their packs and headed to Greener Meadows, while their core stayed to chase the glorious three-peat. Elliot was acquired as a real backup to Vassi. Bogo came back for one more go towards Lord Stanley. Andre Suster also made his return to his former club. Pierre-Edouard Belmare arrived from Colorado and Corey Perry from Montreal to fix holes in their bottom six. They are extremely dangerous once again and the teams should pay attention to that. They lost depth 
But if you have paid attention to their capability to produce NHL caliber players from their farm system, you know that they are in no danger. Braden Point was a standout again last year in the absence of Kucherov, but now that he's healthy and back in their lineup, he will challenge the league leaders in point production front, and my guess is that he will lead the team in points at the end of regular season. Breakthrough candidate for them could be honestly anyone from their farm system, but I feel like this year will be Anthony Girelli's breakout year. And I mean offensively, since we already know how good he is in the defensive zone. If he manages to stay healthy this year, I feel like he will break his 40-point record from 1920 season by a large margin. When it comes to hot take, let's go for it. They are going to 3-peat. That would be awesome to see in the modern NHL, and they got room to add pieces in the deadline. It isn't the most mind-blowing hot take, but they won't miss the playoffs, so that suggestion will be deposited straight to Buffalo. Pretty straightforward, but when you want to in a row, there's no need to waffle anymore than we need to. So let's head to the last team of this episode. The last team is none other than the Toronto First Rounders. Sorry Maple Leafs fans. The pain just doesn't stop until you make it stop. Anderson, Redick, Folino, Galchenyuk, Hyman, Thornton, and VC out while Mrazek, Bunning, Kashe, Kampf, and Ritchie arrive to Toronto to fix their forward depth. Last year, first in the North Division and got eliminated in the playoffs. No, I'm not going to rub it in your face anymore. You know the result. But just as my other top teams in the league, the regular season is just an imperative at this point, and success in the playoffs is the only thing that matters. Unfortunately, their main course has been missing for 53 years. Shank. I just had to. Couldn't help myself. It's almost a disease at this point, but as I said, the regular season success doesn't matter. And no one cares if they win the President's Trophy if they fail to advance from the first round. This could be Dubas' last year in their office if they fail to advance further in the playoffs. No doubt about it. Morgan Riley is a free agent next summer, similar to Jack Campbell. Their cap situation is also extremely tight, so they might have to figure out how to work things out in the deadline if need be. Nevertheless, most likely make or break season for their GM and some of their core players as well. Warner was their leading scorer last year, but if Matthews is recovered from his wrist injury and has a full year on the top line, he will win another Rocket Richard trophy and should challenge for the league scoring title as a whole. Breakthrough candidate for the Maple Leafs is between two players. Newly acquired Michael Bunning or defenseman Rasmus Sandin. I will leave Jack Campbell out of this equation since I feel like he will be outstanding in their crease once again, even though he played only 22 games for the Leafs last year. Bunning was impressive at the end of the season with the Yotes 
and was added to the Leafs roster in hopes of adding hardworking physical presence to their left wing, who could support their top six and someone replace Zach Hyman. Despite his presence in their lineup, I feel like Rasmus Sandin will finally make his breakthrough to the Maple Leafs NHL roster. About time, some could say. The smooth skating two-way defenseman has been waiting for his chance to make his way to the NHL roster, and now I fully believe that he will make his presence known. Second power play unit will suit him nicely, and I see plus 20-point season ahead of him with the Leafs. But then to the last hot take, Maple Leafs will make the finals. You might think that I'm f***ing with you again, but for real though, they should make it out of the first round and make a deep playoff run. But since the drought is so long, there always is the chance that they fail in the playoffs. So I would say that it is fairly reasonable hot take. But all in all, big year for the Maple Leafs, no questions. And if all goes to sh**, expect big changes in Toronto. And to wrap up the final playoff teams, here is the Atlantic Division standings. First seed, Panthers. Second seed, Toronto. Third place, Lightning. And the final playoff team will be fourth seed, Boston Bruins. Ottawa comes fifth but just misses the playoffs, while the last three remaining teams are Canadians, Red Wings and the Sabres in that exact order. So in conclusion, all playoff teams from the East, Islanders, Hurricanes, Capitals, Flyers, Panthers, Maple Leafs, Lightning and Bruins. And that's all you need to know about the season previews. And while we're at it, as a cherry on top, let's predict the trophy winners while we are at it. Art Ross goes to McJesus, Hart Memorial, Nathan McKinnon, James Norris, Victor Hedman, Vesna Trophy, Andrei Vasilevsky, Selkie Trophy, Mark Stone, Ted Lindsay, Connor McDavid, Calder Trophy, Bowen Byram, Jack Adams, Jared Bednar, and Rocket Richard, David Pasternak. The cup final, you might ask, Colorado versus the Islanders. And Avalanche will be your 2022 Stanley Cup champions. You heard it here first. But with that, we are officially done with the season previews and thus this episode. We'll see how badly I'm able to jinx these organizations and players, but certainly this adds another element to routine NHL season on my part now that my predictions are out there in the public. So excited for this season, as I've mentioned in the past few episodes, And we also have the U-20s and the Olympics in the near future. So those add even more excitement to this year. I think we've now covered all bases and we can fully start to enjoy this exciting NHL season. Let me know what you think of my previews and send me your predictions on possible breakthrough candidates, award winners, 
or your own hot takes. I would really like to hear what thoughts you have for this NHL season. The season is still very, very young, so a lot can happen before we reach the playoffs. As always, hope you enjoyed. These episodes were fun to make, so we could see something similar in the future as well. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Your support means a world to me, honestly. Hope you have an awesome week, you warrior. Stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time. All right.